0: Good morning everybody. As you can see, yes, I am not Pastor Marvin, but he does allow me the opportunity to stand up here in front of you and preach, and it just happened that this morning he was sick, so he had already had me scheduled to preach months ago. Isn't it funny how God can even work out sickness so that there's a plan laid in place that I was already ready to preach, and that's the week that he got sick. I know, isn't that funny? Funny how God works even through sickness. So I feel like preaching this morning. I hope you guys are ready. We're going to get into some deep stuff this morning. So if you got your floaties and your snorkel, put those on. I'm going to be preaching you a message called Pulled Apart. And it's from Matthew 17, verses 1 through 8. So I'm going to get right into that because God gave me a lot of stuff to give you this morning. So Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. It's about the transfiguration of Jesus. You know, my favorite thing to preach on is the gospel. So every time I get up here, I'm going to preach about the gospel. It says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. God, thank you for who you are today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come up here and share your word. God, I pray that you open our minds, you open our hearts to hear and receive everything that you have to give. In your name we pray, amen. So if there's one thing you have to know about that one passage of scripture, we should all know it's in one of four books that we call the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospels, they, they reveal Jesus' life. Not only the things that he did, but his entire life. Not just the fact that he died and rose again, which is like the number one thing, but they show his life. They teach us how, us how to have a life. Because we're not just called to go through life, you know, go here, go there, just haphazardly. We're called to have life and to have it more abundantly. The gospels show that Jesus didn't just die; he lived. Jesus had a life. He didn't just—he wasn't just born in the manger and then went right to dying on the cross. The gospels show us every step along the way, the years and years and years, his whole ministry, his life up until his death and resurrection. But we often skip over that part that shows that Jesus was alive. He was alive. Yes, we think about, oh, he rose from the dead. But he was here on earth living, teaching us how to live. He didn't just exist. He lived. Are you a type of person who is living or are you just existing? I told you we were going to get into it today. You probably won't like me today. Some people go through life just existing. But God's already prepared you for something to do. He already has something for everyone, but we just go through life all familiar, all comfortable, when maybe God has something for you over here, but you're stuck over there. The biggest crime that we can have is dying with unused potential. God put potential inside of you, and he's counting on you to discover it before you die. If you go through, if you drive by a cemetery, when I drive by cemeteries, I think... Man, how many of those people died without fulfilling their full potential for God? So the Gospels, they reveal not just Jesus' ministry, but his message. Jesus was the type of person who demonstrated and he declared. He did both. He had a balanced ministry. He could walk the walk and he talked the talk. A lot of people, you you can talk. You can talk about the Lord. You can talk about this. You can talk about that. But you can't show it. Or you show it, but you can't back it up. You got to be the type of Christian that can do both. Don't be the type of Christian that can only do one. Jesus could do both. And we're supposed to model ourselves off of Jesus. So we need to look at Jesus, read the Gospels, read the Word, so he can show us and reveal how to do both. The Gospels are also a journey. Just like our life in Christ is a journey too. Right? We all have to go on a journey. We don't just get from point A to point B like, like that. It's a journey that we have to go on. The destination is in the journey. It's only powerful when you've gone through the journey to get there. If you just arrive at destiny, it's not, it's not important, right? What's so special about it if you just arrived there? You didn't do anything, you didn't go through anything. What makes the destination when you finally get somewhere so great is that you know I went through this and I went through this and I went through this and finally right. I got there, finally. I've been through, I mean I'm only 28, but just simple things, just simple destinations, like a silly thing. Like I play the bagpipes, right? And when you play the bagpipes, you don't just own bagpipes. Like, it's a really expensive instrument. You can't just pick them up and start playing. It's not something that you just take up. You have to start with just listening first, because they have a unique sound. And then you get this thing called a practice chanter, which is like a little tube, kind of looks like a recorder, but it has a reed inside of it. And then you have to learn how to play that. You have to learn how to really expand your lungs. And it sounds awful. It sounds like a duck. It's horrible. Like I would always have to go outside or in my bedroom and put a towel under the door when I would practice my practice chanter when I was first starting because it takes a lot to get that reed to rotate. And it sounded awful. But once you get past that step, you're on a journey. Because I knew that end destination was, I'm going to get myself a nice, expensive pair of bagpipes. But I couldn't just pick them up and play it because that would have been worse than what the duck sounded like. I had to build up to it and build up to it. And when I finally went through the course in teaching and lessons, I was finally allowed to search and find a pair of bagpipes. But I couldn't just get a random pair. There are special specifications, they have to make them custom for you because your arm has to fit a certain way and the pipes have to go a certain way. It's a very specific journey that you have to take to get the bagpipes. And finally, I got to that end point. And you think, yes, I have them, it's the end. That's not the end because playing the practice chanter is a totally different game than playing the actual bagpipes. That takes a lot of practice, too. And if you think that my family was upset playing a practice chanter, imagine learning how to play the actual set of bagpipes, where they send you earplugs with the bagpipes because they are so loud. So I haven't practiced them in quite some time because my dog is very noise sensitive, so I have to build her up. She's on a journey as well to learn to like the bagpipes. So just like that was a journey, that was a silly journey that I've gone on. But our life as Christians is a journey too. In this text that we're reading in the gospels, it's not only the journey of Jesus, but it's the journey of 12 men. And that journey all starts with a call, right? Those 12 men that we call the 12 disciples, those 12 that Jesus had handpicked, it all started with a call. You all wouldn't even be here sitting today if you didn't hear a call. You can say, well, God doesn't talk to me. I don't hear from God. The devil is a liar. You are sitting here. You wouldn't be here in church and it's 35 degrees this morning if you didn't feel that call of God telling you, hey, go to church, go to church this morning. Even if it was snowing in Florida, most of you would probably still be here because you heard that call of God. The call always starts with two words, follow me. It never starts with preach to all these people or go do this massive thing. Two simple words, follow me, take the journey. Jesus said follow me to those 12 guys and they dropped everything. They dropped their careers, they dropped the life that they had before. Follow me and they went. They didn't have any idea where they were going. They just knew, he said, follow me, I'm gonna go. But just because they dropped everything and followed Jesus didn't mean that they instantly became masters of their faith. Follow me is your own personal journey. It's unique to you, right? Sometimes we sit in church and we see someone on our road that you can just tell that God is just moving so powerfully in their lives and through them. And you're sitting there like, why isn't that happening to me? Why? It's a journey. Maybe they're over here in their journey and you're just right here, but you're still in the journey. You're still going towards a destination. It's unique to you. Not everyone has the same calling. Nobody has the same calling. So we just get so, so disheartened when we see someone who God is just moving so powerfully. Exactly. Be thankful that you're on that journey that Jesus said to you, hey, follow me. You're there. You'll get there. But everyone is unique. So the disciples, they knew that they were never going to be masters of their faith. They're following literally Jesus. They could only do what Jesus did. They couldn't be Jesus, but they can just do what Jesus did. Because we can't truly master our faith you just keep following to know more. The disciples followed Jesus, and when they first started following Jesus, they didn't know anything. They didn't know anything. But as they kept following him, they knew more, and they knew more, and they knew more, and they knew more. The moment you stop following is the moment that you start dying in your faith. Because the more you follow, the more you follow and press into the Lord, the more you learn. But you can only teach people as much as you've learned, right? I couldn't go, I've taken up to Calculus 2 or Calculus 3 in math, but I couldn't teach someone higher level math because I've never been there. I've never been there. Maybe Miss Brittany's taught something. Some prob- She's probably taken higher math than me. So if I had a question about something really extreme, I would go to her. Because I can't teach people something that I've never learned done. You can't take people where you've never been before. You have to be there before you can teach it, before you can show people, look, I've been here. I know what you're going through, but God took me here. How are you supposed to tell people if you've never been there? So what can God not use you to do because you stopped learning and pursuing him? Have you decided that, well, where I am right now, that's good enough. I'm comfortable, I go to church, I'm happy in my relationship with the Lord, I'm happy, you know, every once in a while I'll invite somebody to come to church. Are you comfortable with where you are? Did you stop pursuing? Did you stop following Jesus to know more? You can still be a follower of Jesus, but did you stop? Is he all the way over there and you're just watching from a distance? I told you, I told you I was going to give it to you tough this morning. So what can God not use you to do? Because you stopped and decided that where I am now is good enough. The disciples faced the same thing. They could have stopped any time, right? They could have decided, man, we never have any money. People are always trying to kill us and arrest us. I mean, we think we have it tough, We don't have that. It would have been so easy for them to say, you know what? I'm good where I am. I know Jesus. I'm content. But here, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here. But they didn't. Exactly. But they did not do that. Everything you need to know and want to know about yourself, about anything, is in your next step in your pursuit with God. It's right there. You just have to step into it. We always say, well, this is happening, this is happening. Just keep pursuing. Get to that next step. I don't know the answer to this. I don't know why this is happening. God does. God does. Keep your faith. Keep stepping. Keep going on that journey. You have to keep following to know. So the disciples, not only were they following, but they were also set apart right? The Bible says, as Christians, we're to be set apart. All right, so the 12 are set apart, but in this passage of scripture, there's three, Peter, James, and John, that Jesus looks at the 12, and he pulls three apart. He pulls them out of the 12. As Christians, we have to be, we all have to be set apart, and people don't like to hear that anymore, that holiness, we have to be holy, you know, holiness is not optional. God said, be holy as I am holy. It's not, it's not something we like to do these days. We're like, oh, well, I can you know—I can do this and that and then come to church. No, you can't. God calls us to be holy. Set apart is the lifestyle of a believer, whether you want it to be or not. There's, that means there's some things that you can't do. There's some people that you can't hang out with. There's some things that you can't say because you have been called to be set apart apart. So Jesus had 12 that were set apart. And just being part of the 12 that Jesus had handpicked to be his disciples, that would have been awesome. Can you imagine being a literal disciple of Jesus while he was there on earth, seeing him turn water into wine and laying in a boat, and all of a sudden, he wakes up and doesn't even, you know, when I wake up, you know, you got to rub your eyes, you got to stretch, doesn't even do any of that, and he just says, peace be still. And instantly, the water's still. And they're like, who is this? Can you imagine being one of the 12 disciples and actually witnessing firsthand? That would have been awesome. Being a disciple of Jesus, which we are all disciples of Jesus, is still a huge privilege and an honor. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. How much of an honor it is to be called by Jesus to be a disciple. To be chosen to share the gospel with others. Because that's what we're all called to do. We're all called to be disciples. But I think we, this culture has lost some of that. We've lost that culture of evangelism. That we think that, okay, well I invited someone to church. Job done. And like my grandma's day, she's a pastor, my grandparents are pastors. They would talk about Jesus at their work, they'd talk about Jesus everywhere, and then they'd invite them to church. But by the time they got in the church, they were already saved. They had done the work. They didn't leave it up to the pastors to do the work. They did the work. They were the disciples. They were sharing the gospels. And we've lost that as time has gone on. We've lost that fire of evangelism, of just Leading people to Jesus, we leave it up to the church. We leave it up to the service. That's not what Jesus is calling us to do. The Bible doesn't say make disciples of all nations in the church. It says you go and do it. Don't leave it up to the people at the pulpit. Don't leave it up to the people in the back. We are all called to have that honor of sharing the gospel. So three of them were pulled apart. Some of you have been chosen by God to be pulled apart. When I was preparing this message, I'm like, oh, why are you telling me to do this? Because God told me that this church has been called to be pulled apart. Yeah. Pastor's talking about the year of the overflow. Overflow can only happen if we're pulled apart from everybody else. Because if we're if we're the same as everyone else, what's the difference? God's calling this church to be pulled apart. And when it comes time to actually be pulled apart, some people are not going to like it. Most people never even pass the pulled apart test because they're too comfortable with the familiar. Too comfortable. You know, you come in, you stand, you sing some worship songs, you listen to someone Warren do announcements, you listen to Mr. Greg do offering, you listen to Pastor preach. That's your routine. You're comfortable. You're like, I'm good where I am. But when it comes time for this church to be pulled apart, you got to let some of that familiar go. Because when God begins to move, sometimes, God does not stick to a schedule. God's time is not our own. So when God begins to move, you got to let God go. So we can be so comfortable in our set-apart place that we miss our pulled-apart calling and our next level with God. You get so comfortable where you are that God's saying, come on, come on come on, I'm taking you out. I'm taking you out from these. I'm taking you out from these. And you are saying, no, but I'm, I'm good where I am. I'm good where I am. And if, if you're the type of person that you are good where you are, okay. I'm not the type of person that's content with that. If God's saying, I want to take you here, I'm going to go. And, but it might be hard. It takes courage to follow God, right? How many know it takes courage to follow God? especially now I tell the kids that all the time because they you know kids today are not like kids even when I was a kid they have so much more stuff to deal with yeah. they're saying I'm like okay you gotta be courageous you gotta you know what would Jesus want you to do you have to do this you have to do that you know be a be a Christian I'm like well, but all the kids in my class cuss and if I don't cuss then they're not gonna be friends with me Th- these are the things they deal with I say well What does the Bible say about cussing? Should we use good language? Is cussing gonna do anything to build others up? No. Well, then I won't have any friends. So, well, why don't you show them love? Show them the love of Jesus by ministering to them and show how good life can be. You don't have to use bad language. I tell them, you're smart. There are so many more words in the English language that you could use. And people will appreciate that. And it starts to work. It starts to work. So even our little kids, it takes courage for them to follow God. And if you see them, commend them for following God even when they have such adversity. When they have, they struggle, but they come to church saying, I told this person about Jesus at school today. Like little kids, we're afraid to do that as adults, but here's little kids at the cafeteria. They sit next to a person that's alone because we talked about it on Sunday how everyone needs a friend, and how you can be their friend. And they start telling them about Jesus, a little kid. They got that courage to do it. If they can do it, there's no reason why you can't. It takes courage to be the three in the middle of the 12. Which one are you? Are you one of the three, or are you one of the other nine that are still there? If you're one of the three then God's going to have to suffer some things that aren't allowed in that next level. And you're going to have to be okay with leaving some stuff at the bottom of the mountain. And that's where people kind of get a little iffy, right? People don't, we don't like to hear that. Because people always talk about the miracle that happens at the top of the mountain, right? We're talking about the transfiguration of Jesus. But we forget about the miracle that happened at the bottom. When Jesus pulled three out of the already set apart twelve. You can't see the figuration, transfiguration at the top if you're not willing to leave the other nine. So do you have the courage to go to the next level in your relationship with God? Do you have the courage to step out of the familiar? Even if your familiar is awesome. Where some of you are now is awesome. You have an awesome relationship with God. You have an awesome relationship in the church. Are you content with that? Because there's more. There's always a next level with God. God is infinite, so you can keep going and keep going. He doesn't stop right here. You have to keep going. God doesn't just want us to be content. He wants us to constantly be pursuing him. It takes courage to leave the 12, to leave the other nine behind at the bottom. And the Bible says that three are chosen to follow Jesus to a high place. Not just any place. A high place. They're chosen to go higher than anybody else. And this is when people start and sit and weigh their options. They'll say, well, I know God's calling me here, but can I go here and still have this? Can I go here but still think this? Can I, I'll go up a couple steps, but if I want to come back down, can I? If I don't like it. That's where the struggle is. Even with the strongest of Christians. There's still that struggle because the higher you go, the more you have to leave behind. You're not going to be empty because that's, I'll get to that. So Jesus pulled them to a high mountain. And I don't know about you, but when I think of mountain, I think of something high already, right? All mountains are high. So isn't it funny that the writer, the, the writer of the gospel had to put that word high in there? He didn't just take them to any mountain. He took them to a high mountain. He pulled them to a high mountain. So based on like research, because like, you know, I like nitpicking scripture and saying, okay, what is God really trying to say through this that a lot of other people just overlook? Just a simple word, a high mountain. If you look at where the disciples were in the previous chapter, this mountain that they went to was almost two miles high that's high. That's a high mountain. That's over 9,000 feet. So Jesus said, follow me because you are called to a high place. You know, if you're called to a high place, you can't hang around just anybody. If you're unique in your calling, you can't just hang around the common people because they're not going to be able to go to the top with you. You're called. God called you uniquely somewhere. So those three had to make a choice. Either stay in the familiar or go higher. And you have to make that choice too. It could have been easy for them to say, you know what? That's a really high mountain. I'm good here at the bottom with, with the other nine, right? That's easy for us too. If you see what God has for you and you know that's a journey to get there, sometimes we say, you know, I'm good where I am. You know a two mile high mountain, that means there probably would have even been snow at the top. Even in the summer. That's high. I mean, I know we live in Florida, so we don't have mountains. The highest thing we have is like the dumps. That's what we call in Florida. Those are our mountains, the dumps. But two miles, that's high. That's a long way. So much that there's even snow at the top, which is even unthinkable to us here in Florida because, again, no mountains. So a mountain that's not only high but has snow, that's big. And I thought, okay, a really high mountain that they got to hike up, that'll take a while, and it has snow at the top. Just like how our journey with Jesus takes us through seasons. You know when you climb a mountain, there's no snow on the bottom, but as you keep going higher, you can start to feel the change. The weather will change. The type of trees will change. The type of flowers on the ground will change. As you're climbing, you're going through, kind of going through seasons, just like our, our walk with Christ. Sometimes to grow you, Jesus has to stretch you through things that are uncomfortable in order for you to grow. So sometimes if you're dealing with something and you're blaming the devil, you should be praising Jesus for saying, thank you for taking me through this season so I can grow, so I can get to that next level. We're so quick to blame the devil for everything. But what if it's Jesus showing you, no, I need to strip you of this because where I'm taking you, that has to stay behind. That's going to be too heavy as we start to go higher. So you need to leave it here. And we just get so, the devil's doing this to me. The devil's doing this it's an opportunity for you to grow. There is a season for everything. The Bible says that. There's a season for everything. Jesus takes us through seasons to make sure that everything you didn't need to go higher doesn't go. God will use the journey to strip you down to only what you need for what you are called to do. But you know you're not alone when you're walking through seasons, right? Jesus is there to lead you every step of the way. And if you look back in the text, Jesus didn't just take them up the mountain, he led them. That means Jesus was out front. If you're leading someone, you don't lead them from behind. If you're leading someone, you lead them from the front. And that's what Jesus did. Even though we walk through tough seasons, Jesus is still in front, leading and guiding. So if you're going through something tough, and you're looking down, you're looking down, there's still Jesus ahead of you, pulling you, saying, nope, I got you, I got you, I'm not going to leave you. You're going through something else, going through something else, but Jesus is still in front of you, leading you. He will not leave you or forsake you. For every action, though, get into some science, there's an equal and opposite reaction. What do you mean by that? For every upward calling, there's going to be a downward craving. Right? Haven't you noticed that? Every time God tells you to do something or God really starts moving, there's always something that's trying to bring you back down. The enemy's not stupid. He's smart. He knows, well, if I can't mess with their call, I'm going to try and mess with their desire, their cravings to pull them back down he's going to entice you to come back down so you never reach that calling the worst thing you can do for the devil is reach your calling and do what God has called you to do because then he knows I'm going to lose this person I'm going to lose this person I'm going to lose this person the devil does not want that so he's going to try everything that he can to try and entice you to go back down the mountain he's like you don't need to go up there I have this down here for you that's better look you can have this back and this back and I'll even throw in this The glory will pull you up, but the craving will try and pull you down. Your struggle is in the craving. You're tithing, but you're greedy. You're going to church in the morning, but maybe you're going to the bar at night. I told you you weren't going to like me. That's where the struggle is. We're human. That's our humanity. The glory is calling us up, and it's so powerful But there's still those cravings down below that the devil is so powerful with. And we have to be careful to recognize that. But one thing I know, cravings are only temporary. But your calling is eternal. God's calling you to a higher place. He's not calling you to the bottom of the mountain. He's calling you higher. And every time you get a call, every time you're going up the mountain, you see a glimpse of glory. My grandma used to sing me when I was little, I had, I had like colic, so she would always sing me, there's a new name written in glory, it's one of those old southern hymns, and I would only go to sleep if she would sing that song, and so when I was older and I could understand that, like, grandma, what does that mean? A new name written in glory, what's that? I was, I was three, I'm like, what's glory? And she was just explaining to me, you know, like a little kid, like, that's God showing us heaven, that's when heaven comes down for us but he only does it in glimpses while we're here on earth you kill the craving with those glimpses of glory when you're walking through a tough place and you make it through you see that glimpse and you keep going you're going through something else God shows you a glimpse of glory and you'll keep moving what have you caught a glimpse that you forgot about what have you given up on that God is still active in If you've ever been to just a really big move of God, and you're in a place with God, and God shows you that glory just for an instant, but it gives you the courage to keep going and going and going. I went to, three years ago, I went to a revival service in Jacksonville, and I never really been in anything like that. I've grown up Pentecostal, but this was like a revival service, and it was going, and I was down there at the altar, and God just showed me something in an instant, quick, and then it was gone. And then 10 minutes later, another glimpse. And I kept going, kept pushing for more, kept pushing, kept pushing, another glimpse, another glimpse. They keep you going, those glimpses that God will show you. God's not going to leave you hanging. He's going to show you. He's like, this is where I'm taking you. This is where I'm taking you. Keep pursuing. Keep going on the journey. Keep coming up the mountain, and I'll show you more. Glory comes in glimpses, in a moment. The Bible doesn't say that you go from glory and just leave it there. What does the Bible say? Oh, Mr. Greg got it. You go from glory to glory, to glory, to glory. You don't just stay in glory. God gives it in glimpses. Every glimpse releases a desire to keep on going and leave that craving behind. And you never know when God is gonna give you those glimpses of glory. So always be prepared. That means don't check out during worship. Don't check out because you don't like the song, because what if God was going to use that moment to come in? If pastor's preaching, don't be sitting on your phone, scrolling through Facebook, because what if God was going to use something that he said right there and just drop a glory glory on you? We always have to be prepared, be ready in season and out of season, because you never know when God is going to give you that glimpse. And maybe that's just what you needed to keep going through a tough season, but you missed it because you weren't paying attention. The longer you sit in between set apart and pulled apart, you're going to be torn apart. When you can't decide, I'm comfortable here, I don't know if I want to go here, that's just pulling you apart. That's just giving the devil more and more fuel to get those cravings to pull you down. And then pretty soon you won't even be with the 12. You'll be all the way down the valley. So three men say they're going to go despite not knowing what the journey entails. They said, where Jesus leads, leads, I'm going to follow. Jesus knows everything about you, even stuff you don't know about yourself. You know, the Bible says that God's the door, right? And then the Bible says that we also have the keys. So Jesus is both the door and the key. He gives you the keys, and you have the keys, but Jesus will start moving as the door. So you get to the door, and it's gone. The door's over there. But he's still leading you because you have those keys. You know what the key unlocks. So you're going to keep following and keep following and keep following and keep following. I told you I was going to do- go deep. That's kind of a deep concept. But I know, you can, I know you can track with me, right? You have the keys. You have the keys to the kingdom. Jesus is the door. You have the keys. The door is still moving. The door is still moving until you get to the final destination, until you fulfill your calling. You have the keys to it. But some people drop the keys. They decide, that's not worth it anymore. That's too much. Or they stop pursuing the door. They say, well, that back there was better. You keep moving. The door keeps moving. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. But the end result is so worth it. The destination at the end of the journey is so worth it. Every time you follow him, you're making progress. Even if Jesus seems farther away, you're still making progress towards it. Little steps, even the tiniest of step, is still progress. And you can tell the devil that, and be like, devil, you might be trying to pull me back, and even though it was just an inch that I went forward, that's still going forward. He can't touch you if you're still moving forward with God. Jesus is the only one who has the door and the keys. And Jesus takes them up by leading them. And he takes them up gradually. If you've ever been scuba diving somewhere really deep, you don't go from the bottom to the top in two seconds. No, the pressure, it's too great. You have to go gradually. Even if you're going, climbing up a mountain, you have to do it gradually. You got to take breaks because you can't go from the bottom to the top in an instant. So Jesus led them gradually. Remember, this is a two-mile walk. So... That's quite a bit of exercise, and Jesus did it gradually, but he led them step by step. I'm sure he didn't just leave them to navigate the rocks and everything else on their own. He was leading them in front. They had no idea where they were going. Jesus said, come on, let's go. Okay. They didn't know if they were maybe going to stop in the side, maybe at a lookout point. They had to follow Jesus and rely on Jesus and know, I know that he is gonna lead my every step. Where would you be if God wasn't leading your steps? Would you still be stuck in addiction? Would you still be stuck in things that you shouldn't have been stuck in? Do I have anybody in here that God led your steps and you don't have to look back, you don't have to backtrack. God has led your steps, why don't you take about 10 seconds to praise God for leading your steps. Even if the steps were small, it's still progress. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you go up to a high place, it'll also take your breath away. It's hard to breathe. If you've ever been in the mountains, even in the car, if you're driving up a mountain, as you get higher, it gets harder to breathe. The air gets thinner. It's heavier. That's why he took them up gradually. But maybe he took them up so high because they were meant to lose their breath. Down at the bottom, their breath was good enough to get the job done. Down at the bottom, they knew what they were doing. But at the top, they had no idea. In the high places, the breathing gets heavy and the breathing gets harder. You don't have energy when you don't have breath. That's why the breath of the Holy Ghost matters at higher altitudes. When you go higher and higher with God, your breath is going to get taken away so He can give you His. That's when the miracles start happening. When you say, God, I can't breathe, I need you. Yeah. God will make you lose breath so you can gain His. For every breath that He gives, the Bible says, let every breath, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. So as you keep going with God, That's why you don't stop worshiping. That's That's why you just don't decide to stop. That's why you keep pressing in with praying because the more you go higher with God, the more you lose of you and the more you gain of him. So let God take your breath. The higher they were walking, the more they started losing their breath and gaining his. So they're walking, they're walking, they're walking. They should be getting tired, but they're not because God is fulfilling them. God is keeping them sustained. And finally, they get to the top. God didn't pull you apart for you not to make it to the top. The fact that you said yes to being pulled apart from the rest is the promise that you're going to get there. And once they get there, something awesome begins to happen. Jesus begins to transfigure. But he didn't relocate them to transfigure before them. He didn't take them to a different country. He didn't take him up to heaven. It's still the same mountain, the same place, but a different space. The other nine were on one level, and those three were on another. Say, well, why didn't God just take him somewhere else? When God starts to move in you and change you, sometimes he'll leave you in the same place, because that's where your testimony comes in. You say, I was here but God brought me here, and now look at me, and God can do the same for you. They were in the same, on the same mountain, but on totally different levels. God doesn't have to relocate you to change you. Jesus was the one that changed. When God gets ready to do change, he's gonna change you first. We always pray for, I need this person to be changed, God change this person, God change this person. We should be praying for God to change us first because maybe there's some things that we're still holding on to that aren't allowing us to reach that person because we're not at that next level yet. There's some stuff that we got to let go. It was the same Jesus, but he took them to a place to show them that he was more than they had ever seen. See, at the bottom of the mountain, they knew what he could do. They'd been with him. But at the top they had the revelation of who he actually is. They'd heard about it, he'd talked before, but when he transfigured, they saw something that they'd never seen before. He was the same Jesus, but he had different DNA. Just like when we're Christians, that's how change happens in us. It's the same us, same place, but different DNA. We're children of God completely transformed. You look the same. You smell the same. You wear the same clothes. But inside, there's a change that happens. And Jesus was showing them yeah. that change. God will keep you in the same place so that others can see the change. And that's how God's going to get the glory. That's right. When Jesus transfigured, his garment became white as snow. Remember what I said? There was probably snow at the top of that mountain. Snow is pretty white. Yeah. Can you imagine how much whiter Jesus must have been? If they said, that's white. They're in snow. That's white anyways. But they saw Jesus. The three had only seen Jesus as a man. And even though maybe they were wearing white clothes. You know how we wear white stuff? And even as much much bleach you put in it, it's still not going to be perfect white. Our righteousness will always be as filthy rags. But on that mountain, they saw true righteousness. When you let Jesus transfigure you, it won't be long before everything that you touch gets transfigured too. So then something else happens Elijah and Moses show up. So here's Jesus transfiguring, and then all of a sudden, here's Elijah and Moses. And that's a whole different thing because they must have had a revelation of some sort to know that's Moses, that's Elijah, right? But we're not going to get into that. Because how did they know? They didn't have pictures. They didn't know. But why Moses and Elijah? I'd always wondered that. And then God told me, Moses is what God had done. Elijah is what God will do. And Jesus is what God is doing. What was, what is, what is to come. God showed me that. I was like, whoa. I always thought Moses, okay, Moses and Elijah. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, man, God is so cool. He could have picked anybody, but he picked those two because of what they stood for and what they did. So here we go, right in the middle of Jesus, Moses, and Elijah having a divine, supernatural conversation. Someone's got to chime in. Of course, it's Peter. We just finished a whole nine week series about the life of Peter in kids' church. And they, one of the kids said, Peter did a lot of things. He messed up a lot. I'm like, yeah he's a, he's a person. He said, Peter talked a lot when he shouldn't have. (laughs) Yes, he did. And that's what Peter was doing again. So here's Jesus, Moses, and Elijah having this probably awesome supernatural conversation that they're getting to look at. They didn't, Jesus didn't have to take them up there, but they're getting to see this happening. And Peter's like, hey, you know what? It's good that we're here. Why don't we build three tabernacles he just needed to shut his mouth because he was witnessing a divine conversation. A talking mouth can't receive. So when you're listening to God, shut your mouth. I'm serious. If you're talk 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 talk, God, God do this, do this, do this, help me with this, help me with this, and God's trying to talk to you and you're just too busy talking, you're not going to hear anything. So Peter starts talking. And all of a sudden, you know it's bad, when God opens up the heavens and starts talking, only the second time in the entire New Testament that God actually physically talks and says, this is my son, listen to him. He basically told Peter, Peter, shut up. Sometimes we talk so much that we miss impartation. We talk too much that we miss an altar call. And sometimes we even talk ourselves out of a breakthrough. So it's time for us to hear and receive to get to the next level. And this is my last point. When they finally put their heads down, shut their mouths, and looked up, they saw no one but Jesus. You know you've come into glory when the only thing you can see and desire to see is Jesus alone. So how many of you have gotten stuck, have gotten content with where you are being set apart with the 12 at the bottom? How many of you have not really taken time to just take 30 seconds and worship, get to that next level, get to the point where all you want to see is Jesus? Nothing else, not the people next to you, not where they are in their journey, your unique journey. Don't worry about anything else going on. People talking. Don't try and talk. Don't try and ask. Listen and receive. So that's my altar call today. I'm not going to have you come up here. We're just going to take 30 seconds or a minute, however long God leads to just worship him. Get to that next level in Jesus. Praise Him. Worship. You don't have to be quiet about it. You know, when I get up here, I'm loud, totally different from when I'm back there in the back because I'm usually shy. But don't be bashful about it. You shouldn't care if someone in your row is sitting there being quiet. You praise Jesus, how Jesus calls you to praise. If you wanna shout, if you wanna dance, if that's how Jesus is telling you to get to that next level, if he's calling you to be pulled apart, then follow him. Follow him with your praise. Worship him to get to that next level. And as you continue to worship, you'll feel it. You'll feel that glimpse of glory. You'll feel him coming in saying, come with me. Follow me. I'm taking you up the mountain I'm leading you step by step. I'm going to pull some things off. So some people might be having to deal with pulling some things off, leaving some people behind, leaving some thoughts behind, leaving some addictions and cravings behind. But as you go higher, God is going to sustain you with the things that you didn't have before. You don't need that when God's going to give you something better. So worship him. Take 30 seconds and get to that next level in Jesus. God, thank you for taking us to the next level. Thank you for pulling us apart. We're not content to stay at the bottom of the mountain with the other nine. We're called to be the other three. Called to be pulled apart. Show us the overflow of your spirit. God, as we go higher and we lose our breath, fill us with the breath of the Holy Spirit. And then we can breathe it on others overflowing with your glory God we just pray that you show up right now that you give us those glimpses into glory right now God that those who are struggling as they worship they see those glimpses and it gives them the strength to keep going until they catch another glimpse God, thank you for everything you're doing today thank you for taking us up the mountain for changing us, for giving us a testimony to share with others. God, it's an honor to be your disciples. It's an honor to be called to be pulled apart from the other nine. It's a complete honor. God, we know that going up to the top is going to be tough. It's going to take courage. But God, if we follow you, we know that you're going to supply our every need. God, I pray that those that are pulled apart today, that are that are taking that command, that are saying, Jesus, take it all. I will follow you wherever you go. God, I pray that you sustain them, that right now you just drop the fire of the Holy Spirit on them right now, that God, they will just be overflowing with your glory to give to others. God, I pray that this church would be filled in this next year, that it's not just people inviting people to church. God, I pray that they're already saved when they get here and that they'll have such a powerful encounter with God, that they'll go out and share the gospel with everyone else. God, I pray that the city would be saved, that the kids, that Kennedy Estates would be saved, and that all across Central Boulevard would be saved. God, that we would be at the top of that mountain, that we would leave the other nine and not look back, that we would be okay with leaving the familiar, and letting the glory of God come, even if it messes with our schedules, even if it messes with this or that, because you are the ultimate timekeeper, God. I pray that you would fill this place right now as people are going up that mountain and deciding to follow you. God, thank you for a pulled apart church. Thank you for a church that is set apart, but is taking that leap with you right now, God, to be pulled apart. God, we thank you for everything that you've done right now. We thank you for everything that you're going to do. I thank you for these people here, God, that are saying, Jesus, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to leave what I don't need and follow. Even if the journey's tough, I'm going to keep looking at you because you are the door and I have the keys. God, we thank you for everything you've done today. You're more than enough, God, to lead us.
1: It's one person. Is my mic on? Okay. Praise you, God. Come, let us worship. Like Yeah. Hey.
0: I hope that you got something out of that today church God just had laid that on my heart and I'm thankful that pastor gave me the opportunity to deliver it to you I pray that you just have an awesome awesome week enjoy the nice weather if you are not afraid of the cold go outside get some fresh air tell someone about Jesus don't leave it up to the pastors to tell them about Jesus go and take that honor of being a disciple. We'll see you Wednesday.